0: Usually, before we read the scripture and pray, or read the scripture and I preach, I pray. But today, I'm going to invite all of us together to sing a prayer. We're going to stay seated and sing, Come, Thou Long Expected Jesus. And let's sing this song as a prayer for the Lord to truly speak to us through His word today. So, again, we'll stay seated. Let's sing this song as a prayer to our Lord. Today we are picking up a sermon series that we began a little over a month ago in Advent and leading up to Christmas. We're calling this series The Real Story and we're gonna work through Luke 1 and then all the way through Luke 2 to see how Jesus coming, how Jesus stands at the center of history and how his story is the real story that matters for our lives. So we've seen how the angel Gabriel came and announced the coming of John the Baptist who would go before Jesus and prepare the way for him. We've seen how the angel Gabriel came and announced that Jesus, the Savior, would come. We've seen that Jesus was born, that the angels announced his coming to the shepherds, and, and in particular that the angels used language that said that this is God. This is God come to us as one of us. And today we're going to pick up the story. We, last time I was here, a couple weeks ago on Christmas Day, we read the Christmas story. Today we're picking up on what happens after that. So let's read Luke two twenty-one to 35. The words will be on the screen. You're also encouraged to grab a Bible if you brought one, pull it up on your phone, or grab a Bible from the pews and keep it open as we work through the text together. And now hear the word of the Lord. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise Jesus... He was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. As you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed." And a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is the word of the Lord. So we're going to walk through this text in three steps, and I, I didn't get these quite as smooth as I wanted to this week, but we're going to talk first about what Jesus does on our behalf, and then how the Spirit works in us. And then finally, how Jesus' coming affects us. So first, we're going to talk about what Jesus does on our behalf. And what this text shows us that Jesus does is that he fulfills all human righteousness. So the beginning of Luke chapter 2 is about Jesus' birth. And here in this next story, he is named and circumcised and presented in the temple, all according to the law of Moses and, and the law of the Lord as we're told. Now, I suspect if, if you're like me, often when you read through the Gospel of Luke, you kind of glide past these first few verses, and then you get on, you pay attention to what happens with Simeon and what happens with Anna after him. And I think it's a fair question to ask, why are these first few verses even here? Why does Luke include them? We as a church believe that every word in the Bible is inspired by God, that God intended to have every single word just as it was just where it was. So it's worth reflecting, and we can't always figure out the answer, but it's worth reflecting, why is this here? And I think Luke includes this here because he's making a very profound point. He has had the angels tell us, and this is something that was never before said, he has had the angels tell us that this baby... That this Jesus, he is Christ, he is the Lord, he is God. And now here in these next few verses, Luke is making the point that Jesus is truly and fully human. Jesus is fulfilling everything that a human being is supposed to do and be as one of God's people. He is truly like us in every way except for our sin. He is claiming no special privileges. He is, he is truly entering into our situation. Now, as I was reflecting on this this week, a story came to mind from, from high school. We had a, a youth group leader called Doug. And Doug was a little bit of a rough guy in some respects. He worked with his hands. He was a contractor. He drove this old, old, beat-up red Chevy truck with a couple of the lights hanging off and all kinds of dents and scrapes. And, and he was a wonderful, good-hearted guy, but he was a little do-things-his-own-way. And we got to talking about, as teenage boys tend to, speeding, and tickets, and such like things. And Doug told a story of a time he got a ticket, and he said, yeah, you know, I was driving through this area, and I had a bunch of stuff in the back of the truck, and I just wanted to get home, so I wasn't really paying attention to the speed limit. I was just flying through, and I got pulled over. And the other policeman comes up, and he starts talking to me about the lights that are missing, and this problem and that problem. And then he says, Do you know how fast you were going? And I respond, too fast. I just own it. And the guy says, "Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to give you a ticket. Can I have your license and registration? And the police officer goes and he does all that. And then he comes back up to Doug and Doug takes the ticket. And then then there's this funny twist in the story that the town Doug was driving through, his best friend is the chief of police. And he grew up with a couple other people who were really high up in the police force. So he takes the ticket, puts it to the side and says, hey, do you happen to know Bob and Mitch? And the police officer says, yeah. Yeah, I grew up with Bob. He was my best friend. We lived next door. We went to school together. We used to have all kinds of fun. How's he doing these days? And what about Mitch? I hear he's about set to retire. And they talk back and forth for a while, and it turns out that Bob and Mitch were this police officer's two mentors, and they had gotten him the job. He was a little on the edge and they had gotten him the job and they'd been really gracious with him with some family issues and some time off and and he just spoke the world of them. And and after they talked for a couple minutes, he said, why didn't you say this earlier? I would would never give Bob's friend a ticket, ever. But I can't take it back. And Doug said, no, I I did what I did. I never want to get out of the consequences of my action because I know a guy. Glad Bob and Mitch are great in your life. I deserve the ticket, don't feel bad about it. Now at the time, I and all the other teenage boys thought, you are crazy, Doug. Use every lever you can to get out of a ticket. Well, here in this text, Luke wants us to show that Jesus is not pulling all the levers he can. Now it's different because Jesus did nothing wrong and he deserved nothing. But this text is showing us that Jesus is truly entering into our situation. He is truly, entirely human. And yes, at the same time, he remains truly, entirely God. But Jesus is laying aside all kinds of privileges. There are all kinds of levers he could pull, things he could do, but instead he chooses to take on human nature and to truly enter into our situation as human beings. Now, there are times when when we as humans, when we're in a tough spot, and when someone says something, and honestly, it's dumb. And we can tell that they do not understand where we are at all. They are, they are off on their own planet doing their own thing, and they are not entering into our situation. I have done that sometimes as a pastor, and then I realize, wow, I need, to, I need to get on the right wavelength because what I just said did not connect. Well, that is never the case for Jesus. Jesus is always able to connect with us because he has gone through everything we go through. That's the human part here but then there's also the righteousness part. The rituals described here in the first few verses of our text, they are, they are what every, every member of God's chosen people was supposed to do. There were rituals, there were requirements, and, and these rituals and requirements by themselves didn't really do anything, but God had established them as a way to bridge the gap between him and his people. This was a way for the people to acknowledge, yes, we are broken, yes, we are sinful, yes, we are unclean, yes, we do not, we do not in our own selves have the ability to come to God, but God has provided this way for us to be pure and to be close to him. And Jesus in his life goes through all of this. He goes through circumcision, he is brought to the temple, the offerings are presented, there is all of this done for him, done by him. And not because he needed them, All the rest of us need this purification. Jesus did not, but he goes through it so that we don't have to. Even here at the beginning of his life, Jesus is beginning to work for our salvation. There is a a theological, pretty fine-tuned distinction between Jesus' active and passive obedience, and, and I don't love those terms, but I'll put them out there. Active and passive obedience. Jesus actively, throughout his whole life, submits to the law of God to live the perfect life on our behalf. And then at the end of his life, Jesus receives, he he passively receives the penalty of our sin in punishment and death. All through his life, Jesus fulfills righteousness for us. And so here's the payoff of, of this little couple verses in Luke that almost feels like an aside to us. Jesus truly is with us, and Jesus truly is for us. So if you are in a place where you feel like you are, you are distant from God, like maybe God doesn't care or isn't there for you in your need, Jesus was truly there for us in our need. None of us have experienced anything like the trouble or the suffering that he did, and he did it for you. And so even this little story, this couple of verses can assure you that Jesus Jesus has done it all on our behalf. So we start with those few verses, and then then we go on to see what the Spirit does in us, following up on what Jesus does on our behalf. And what the Holy Spirit, what the Lord and the person of the Spirit does for us and in us is to draw us to Jesus. And Luke shows us this through showing us how Simeon responds to Jesus. So Joseph and Mary bring Jesus to the temple to fulfill all human righteousness, and then the gospel tells us that there's this guy in the temple, and he doesn't seem like he's a priest, he doesn't seem like he's, he's any part of the hierarchy of the temple, it seems like he's just a guy. He's nothing particularly special culturally, socially, religiously, but he is righteous and devout. And somehow the Holy Spirit has, has really worked in Simeon. Over his life he has, he has shown Simeon some of what is to come in terms of Jesus, and now on this particular day the Holy Spirit draws Simeon into the temple to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. And when Joseph and Mary, just a regular couple, bring Jesus, just a regular baby, or at least so are the appearances, when they come into the temple, the Spirit prompts Simeon to say, that is the Messiah, that is the Lord himself come to you, and and Simeon receives Jesus into his arms. And most translations actually mistranslate this a little bit. The NIV even says, says, Simeon takes Jesus. And the word that's there could be take, but the word that's there is actually receive. It is not that Simeon reaches out and grabs hold of Jesus. It is that the Holy Spirit brings Simeon to a place where he is able to receive Jesus. Led by the Spirit, Simeon accepts the gift of the Lord. And then Simeon praises the Lord. He he gives off this this hymn that I think is worth reading. So I'm going to read you a couple verses again. And this this is what Simeon says as he receives the Lord. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Through the Spirit, Simeon sees Jesus and receives Jesus. And that is how the Spirit continues to work for us too. The Lord is very consistent. The Holy Spirit always, always, always Is pointing us to Jesus. And I want you to notice here through this prism of just a few verses in Luke how little of the Christian life is actually about what we do. This text is really mostly about, and our Christian lives are mostly about, what God does for us. Jesus has come and lived and died and risen again on our behalf. The Holy Spirit works in us to prompt and to perfect our faith to bring us to the Lord. I can say with 100% confidence, if God was not at work in you, you would not be here. I am 100% confident in that. And so what's the payoff here? Well, the payoff is that we, like Simeon, can be confident in the Lord working in us. The payoff is that we can trust through the word God is at work, and, and through his spirit he will continue to draw us to the word, and that he cares for each and every one of us. Now, we're in a different point in salvation history than Simeon. The Lord works in each of us in different ways. So so I'm not saying we're all like Simeon. And you might be sitting here thinking, I don't believe any of this. I don't know what you're talking about. I came here for whatever reason. Well, maybe you think that's why you came here this morning. But I can tell you that the reason you actually came here is because the Spirit drew you. And that should comfort and that should challenge you. The Holy Spirit somehow drew you here today to see Jesus. So what do you need to see of Jesus today? And how can you be encouraged and comfort to, to recognize and to receive the Lord? So we've seen what Jesus does on our behalf. We've seen what the Holy Spirit does in and through us. And for our last point today, we're going to reflect on how Jesus' coming affects us. And Jesus' coming affects us in that we, we rise or we fall. Verse 35 tells us that Simeon blesses Mary and Joseph, but, but honestly, if Simeon gave me that blessing for one of my children, I'd probably be tempted to punch him in the face. This blessing sounds like a curse. It sounds like one of those times that your boss comes by your workstation and leans over at the end of the workday and the end of the work week and says, so I have an opportunity for you. And when you hear opportunity, you know what he's saying is, I have a non-optional obligation that is going to eat up your whole weekend, give you an extra 20 hours of work next week, and no matter what you do, you're not going to get it right. Congratulations on the opportunity. Or it sounds a bit like if you have a new child, and you bring them somewhere, and you meet someone, and they say, oh, we have a new baby, congratulations, what's their name? And you, you say their name, and they go, oh, ah, uh, ah, uh, oh, I mean wonderful. This is not what you want to hear. Let's... Let's hear again what Simeon says. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. It's a hard saying. It's not, I think, what we would want to hear for any of our children. But the Bible is nothing if not honest. And the Bible here wants us to hear that, that how we respond to Jesus determines everything about our lives. This is one of those sharp edges of reality where the Lord says, either you are for me or you are against me. And if we are set against the Lord, then we are in for a life and a world and an eternity of hurt. And if we are set on the Lord, then we are in for struggles, yes, but also for a life and a world and an eternity of hope. We need to ask this question today, how are we with the Lord Jesus? But as we ask that question, we we need to reflect on what, what comes before this. And Luke does not show us a God who is standing in heaven with his arms crossed, waiting for us to make the first move and then deciding to evaluate whether we're good enough or not. Subtext, we aren't. That is not the picture that Luke gives us. What Luke shows us is Jesus who humiliated himself. God who humbled and humiliated himself to come as a baby and to go through all the requirements on our behalf. And what Luke shows us is a God who loves us so much that he doesn't leave us to find our own way to him, but he works in us and he draws us and he brings us to receive him. So as we hear that that our relationship with Jesus determines whether we ultimately rise or fall, this this is a God who is at work on our behalf and in us and through us. So how are you with Jesus today? This morning we celebrated a baptism. And a baptism is always a celebration. It is always a chance for us to remember that this water shows us that That Jesus passed through the waters of death for us. And he rose again for us. And this water shows us that, that the Lord has fulfilled all the rituals, all the cleanliness rituals that we need, so we are truly clean. And this morning we saw Chase and Marine, as many of us have, and as I hope all of us will someday, stand up here and profess their faith and say, Yes, yes, the Spirit has been at work in me. Yes, I receive the Word, and I want to live for the Lord. What we do with Jesus determines whether we fall or rise, but beneath and underneath and around that, what the Lord has done for us is what truly matters, and what the Lord has done for us is draw us into his presence and invite us to receive him and to receive his salvation as a gift. Our hope and our prayer is that all of us would receive the gift of Jesus through the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, as always, we come from hundreds of different places today. Some of us come spiritually vibrant and just so excited to be with your people and in your place, and we are grateful for that blessing. Some of us come emptied out, worn out, and hurting, and we desperately need your comfort and your grace. Some of us come distant or skeptical or or unsure or troubled. And Father, we need your light to open the way forward for us. Lord, help all of us today to to truly encounter Jesus as our born, living, died, and risen again Savior. We ask that you work through your Spirit to guide each of us deeper into your truth and your ways. Lord, we ask that you would enable all of us to rise in you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.